Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins fans? And welcome in to the Thursday, July the 25th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins training camp football. And on today's show, day one of training camp is in the books, and I've got you covered on all the happenings from around Dolphins camp, from the star of the offense to the multiplicity of the team and the overall good showing from your Miami Dolphins. We'll recap the day that was, all of that and more, but first, Before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. That helps us out tremendously. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. I promise you, you guys will not find a better Twitter follow during training camp. Also, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We'll have a comprehensive journal for you guys every single day up on the website and last but not least the other locked on sports family of podcasts like the locked on heat podcast and locked on nfl podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams let's get it going that's another miami dolphins postmates is your personal food delivery grocery delivery whatever kind of delivery service all year round and for a limited time only postmates is giving locked on listeners 100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days download the postmates app and use the code locked on okay before we jump into practice i have to tell you guys about my crazy past 24 hours from the flight delays in seattle pushing a delay into fort worth dallas it was a nightmare to get down here i had to sprint through terminals twice through airports all the way across the country my rental car was a disaster they didn't have the car for me had to rebook it on site right there i finally get into my hotel room which is an airbnb at the hollywood beach resort down here in hollywood florida and i got here at one o'clock in the morning i open the door and the room is a disaster there's a dirty band-aid on the floor there's hairs all over the bathroom the sheets and the bedding is all made up crazy out of control i had to remake the own my own bed with fresh sheets that were put in packaging on top of the bed so I finally got to sleep by like two o'clock in the morning but I just laid there and tossed and turned and thought about all the stuff I had to get done and also my regrets for coming down here into this horrible situation and then this morning I have to go get my credentials printed off because they emailed it to me and I asked the front desk and they basically said nah that's too much ink then they told me there was a Kinko's down the street and I looked it up and I drove there but it wasn't a Kinko's it was a massive hotel so I finally just go to the stadium or to the facility rather I get out in the parking garage after about 15 minutes of searching for the damn parking garage and I'm already drenched in sweat and by the time I get down to the field level they tell me I have to go back up and put a new parking pass in the car so I run up there I miss the warm-ups I miss Brian Flores's press conference in the morning but luckily I did get back there in time for practice and we'll talk about practice in a second but I come back to the Airbnb 
And as I'm writing up my journal report up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now, there's a knock at the door, and apparently I was supposed to check in today, not last night, and so they clean the room while I'm sitting here, sweeping between my feet and like doing the Swiffer between my feet. Awkward situation. Luckily, she was a super nice lady, but none of that is why you guys are here. I'm finally in a good mood. I finally settled down in the hotel room, have my camp report, and have all these notes I'm ready to go over with you guys here on the podcast. And why don't we just go ahead and jump right into this? I want to start with my exclusive interview after practice with Dolphins defensive tackle Devon Godshaw. A big thank you to the Miami Dolphins organization for setting that up for me. I got to ask him some great questions. A lot of these reporters will ask the same tired questions. Ask about Christian Wilkins. How's the rookie doing? Or ask about where he's feeling with his weight or whatever the question might be. They just don't really seem to hone in on anything specific. So I asked him about playing in a two-gap scheme compared to a one-gap scheme and And Devon's face kind of lit up a little bit that someone asked him a football question like that. And he got some detail in there talking about how it's all about playing with the heavy hands, something we heard Patrick Graham talk about back in February. So he confirmed that. And he talked about the read and react discipline football and how he played a two gap scheme back in college. And so that makes me believe that he has a great shot to be the nose tackle, not just this year, but into the future with this Dolphins organization under Brian Flores and under Patrick Graham. And speaking of Patrick Graham, I did predict Joey Embu to make the roster as a nose tackle under Patrick Graham behind Devon Godshaw and that was of course the second team defensive tackle on the day so I think you might have your nose tackle your one technique your two eye technique in Devon Godshaw and Joey Embu check out the tweet up on Twitter I put the video out at Wingfield NFL of my interview with Devon Godshaw at least a little snippet of it And he was just a fantastic interview. Very nice guy. Very cordial. So thank you for that, Devon. On the defensive line, Charles Harris got a lot of work in today. And I suspect that's something we're going to see a lot going forward. He was primarily a defensive end. And I can't talk about even and odd fronts due to restrictions from the Dolphins themselves, but I will say Charles Harris was out there a lot, and so was Christian Wilkins, who quickly got himself inundated with the South Florida Heat. After practice broke, every single player on the Dolphins roster went and found extracurricular work, whether it was Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing fades to the tight ends in the end zone, or guys catching balls in the jugs machine, or dudes running gassers after practice. Now, about a half hour after practice had concluded, Everybody was done except for a collection of five guys, and I couldn't see who any of them were except for Christian Wilkins, who did have his hands on his hips quite a bit throughout the day, but he was out there trying to get himself acclimated to the South Florida heat. It looks like he's on his way to doing that. And speaking of that heat, there were some great questions for Ryan Fitzpatrick post-practice And one of those came from MiamiDolphins.com writer Alan Poupart, and he asked if Fitzpatrick had to reconsider the beard given the heat, and Fitzpatrick told us that basically I've had this beard for so long that there's no point in changing now. I don't even know what it's like to not have this beard, so I don't think the beard is going anywhere anytime soon. And you guys probably thought I wasn't going to get into the quarterback battle, play the hits, right? Well, let's do that right now. Ryan Fitzpatrick is so far and away ahead of Josh Rosen. Right now, I'm not saying he's a better quarterback or a better player long-term, but right now, he is so much further ahead. He's so comfortable in what he's doing out there. He's seeing things. He's effortless in the way he transfers his weight amongst pressure and getting in and out of pressure. He glides around on the balls of his feet, and you can see the footwork and the hip pop and the quick release and the quick flick of the wrist down in those red zone drills when he does get the pressure or when the route opens up. He has that quick release, and I don't want to say it's Dan Marino like, but it's very quick the way the ball gets out of his hand. 
And the same just is not true right now for Josh Rosen. I think he's probably thinking too much and that might be expected. I think that he's a little bit nervous when pressure gets around him and that could be a overlap from the Cardinals last year and their horrible offensive line. There was a play where Tank Carradine bull rushes the left tackle, the second team left tackle, Jared Jones-Smith, and pushes him into the lap of the quarterback and Josh Rosen throws the ball right into Tank Carradine's face and that might not sound too too damning of Josh Rosen, but he just looked panicked in the attempt. And then that was confirmed on the very next snap when they ran a swing pass out to the sideline and Rosen got through the progression and then sailed the ball about five feet over the head of the running back on the swing pass. So right now, even though Coach Flores in his pre-practice presser said this will be a competition all the way through, and I'm sure it will be, I just don't see right now Josh Rosen beating out Ryan Fitzpatrick for the week one job. And again, that's okay. That's to be expected. Let him come along at his own speed. Let him get up to caught up at his own speed, and he'll be just fine going forward. I just don't think there's all this pressure to put Josh Rosen into the game week number one, where he stands a better chance to get his confidence even more negatively impacted than it already is, than if you just wait a few weeks and get him out there after that. But of course, he has all week and all month and all preseason to get these things ironed out. I just want to see progress from the kid. That would be the most inspiring thing going forward. All right, we're going to take our first break here and come back and talk about the rest of camp. From the play on the field to some funny anecdotes off the field, we'll do all that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I'm at Wingfield NFL and at Locked On Fins. And real quick, I want to tell you guys about Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. I think it's important to mention that number one, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be down here and doing this. I just had the time of my life. All of those stresses and concerns went away the moment I sat down and got to watch some football, some Miami Dolphins football, no less. I just love what I do, and I'm so appreciative of all you guys that give me the opportunity to do this, and of course, of the Miami Dolphins, who have been nothing but a first-class organization from top to bottom in the way they've treated me and my new venture into the Dolphins media realm. It's been just surreal. It's been a blast. I stood right next to Ryan Fitzpatrick during his post-practice interview and was probably in the news shots on local Miami news stations and alike. So it's just, it's insane that I'm here doing this and I want to express that gratitude to everybody involved that had something to do with that and every one of you guys is part of that as well so thank you all so much let's get right back into the camp updates and this team ran a ton of red zone and goal line they were working on fade routes down in the red zone and goal line area some five on five some seven on seven getting plenty of work done in that area this is a team that clearly knows you win the game by scoring in the red zone and you guys have heard me refer to Warren Sharp's work quite regularly here on the podcast he talks about it all the time if you can't execute in the red zone then you're not going to win games like the Atlanta Falcons last year who were so successful from the 20 to the 20 but you go inside the 20 yard line into the red zone and and they were like 29th in the NFL and inside the five yard line, 31st in the NFL. That's why they were not a playoff team. You have to execute these crucial plays. So the Dolphins clearly want to drill these crucial plays down in the red zone. And there was some shining moments down there. I think they have developed or identified, I should say, the guys they want to be their matchup nightmares in that spot. And the first one that shines bright in that area 
is second-year tight end Mike Gesicki. He was fantastic in those drills, getting on top of cornerbacks, on top of safeties, on top of whoever was covering him, and snatching those footballs in the corner of the end zone. Now, we can be worried that he did the exact same thing last year, and we can maybe be a little bit apprehensive about him repeating the exact same season he had last year, especially when you watch him go down the middle of the field on some of the vertical seam routes or when he gets rerouted. It was a struggle for him in that area once again, but that might be what you have Dwayne Allen and Nick O'Leary and Durham Smythe for, and Mike Gusecki, yeah, he was a top 50 pick, but if he's going to be a guy that can score in the red zone, that's worth it to me. That's a valuable piece of your offense. So hopefully he finds a niche role doing that at least this year. And then maybe in year three, we can work on the middle of the field and the inline blocking and develop his game slowly that way. But let's get him in the red zone like he was today. And he snatched a one-handed grab behind Bobby McCain, who had fantastic coverage on the play. And Gasicki's arm, his left arm was tied up. His right arm was not. He went out and snatched that thing one-handed. Very, very pretty. And speaking of Bobby McCain, This dude might not come off the field this year because he was everywhere doing a lot of combo coverages, man coverage, zone coverage. He was working in two by three sets. They were doing some trail technique underneath and he was on top kind of directing those guys, telling them where to go. Very fun to watch the way he kind of provided energy and leadership for the group. And the other safety on the team, Rashad Jones, he was doing plenty of tight end man coverage in his own right. And he was fantastic in that regard too. He looked a little bit re-energized to me. Now he left the field for a couple of minutes. I thought maybe it was an injury, even though he jogged off without any assistance, but he came right back out. So that was great to see. He and McCain could be an interesting duo on the backside of that defense. Another note from the cornerbacks and safeties, the entire defensive backs group, there was a drill before the team period where every single defensive back and some linebackers went to the far field and did press man and mirror technique coverage because last year we know the Patriots under Brian Flores had the most man coverage deployment in the entire National Football League. We've talked about it all offseason long. That probably will occur for the Dolphins this year as well. And speaking of that secondary, it's kind of hard to get a real beat on Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick unless you really isolate them and practice because I didn't see any mistakes from those guys and they don't get targeted because they're locking dudes up. But I really wanted to make a note of how smart and how aware and just how instinctive Minka Fitzpatrick was in some zone concepts where he has to pass off a crosser, pick up a corner, be aware of the flat, the running back coming to the flat. He just looks like his head's on a swivel and he's prepared at all times but that's who the player we drafted was when he came out of Alabama. So that should come as no surprise that he is excelling in that department. Now, I do want to get a quick note on Xavier Howard on one specific play. We're going to come right back to that. But the other cornerback out of the group, Eric Rowe, he had himself a difficult day. Devontae Parker got him once. Kenny Stills got him, and Kenny Stills also got Jamal Wiltz one time. Kenny Stills looked fantastic today. He might have been the the player of the day on the offensive side of the ball if it wasn't for a little diminutive receiver who might be the only guy on the roster with better foot speed than Kenny. I'm talking, of course, about Jakeem Grant. This guy... He is. He was so much fun to watch on practice. His sudden movement, the quick twitch, the release ability, the footwork, the intensity he brought to practice, it was all infectious and it set a tone for that entire group. And the first reaction of the day, I think it was before Mike Kosicki actually, was a goal line route, two-way go, almost impossible for a cornerback to defend. Even Xavier Howard got beat on one of these plays. It's almost impossible to defend these two-way goes with no safety help on the inside and no linebacker buzzing the flat or the hook zone. And 
Jakeem Grant sets up Jamal Wiltz with an outside stab where you stab to the back pylon and then he crosses face and Jamal Wiltz wound up three yards off of Grant within a matter of a second. It was such an impressive route. Everybody in the crowd oohed and awed at Jakeem Grant and he wasn't done there. He kept doing it throughout the day. He was the only guy returning punts in the first part of special teams. He was then later joined by Trenton Irwin and Kenyon Drake. So might Kenyon Drake get some punt return opportunities this year? That seems like a possibility. I think the best news of the entire day was at the wide receiver position and a guy coming back from injury. Albert Wilson was out there, a full participant in practice. His lower half is as jacked as I recall it being last year. The ability to make cuts and make guys bounce off of him and maintain his balance through that contact all comes from that lower half. You always want calves, ass, and ankles to be stout. He definitely has that. The rest of the receivers in the group, Devontae Parker, Bryce Butler, and Preston Williams, seem to me as though they're battling for one roster spot. I thought Devontae Parker won that. And this is probably a little bit too overreaching here or overreacting, I should say. But Preston Williams and the way he sets up the individual drills kind of went through the motions and I didn't particularly care for that. I thought he was coasting at times and he looks a little bit tight in and out of breaks. We'll see if that improves or not going forward. Now at the running back and linebacker position, these two spots are difficult to really get a beat on when there's only when the players are only in shells with not full pads. And we know that running backs stand to get a lot of work in the passing game in this Chad O'Shea offense with those Patriots influences and the swing routes are very prevalent in the offense and they drilled that route just as hard as the red zone. So I'm sure that will be a big part of the offense as they want these running backs to know that swing route and how to run that route and how to catch the football on that route without even thinking about it. But as far as the running backs go, I thought Kenyon Drake showed a nice burst. Kalen Balage is a big, big dude. There's just not a whole lot more I can say about this position in this particular environment. Now at linebacker, I think the most interesting part of the defense today was that Jerome Baker lined up over the ball and was calling the signals into the defense uh, at times. And I think that he and Raekwon McMillan are probably going to provide the changing of the guard at that communication responsibility position over Kiko Alonso and Rashad Jones, who have been longtime communicators of this defense, especially Jones on the back end. But I think that frees up Jones to just be more of a playmaker, to rob the hook zone, to come up in coverage and defend the run as well. I think that he could have a big year with less coverage responsibilities, less communication responsibilities, and less single high safety looks. I'll get a better look at this group tomorrow, but I was really keyed in on the secondary, the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, all that fun stuff. And speaking of units that you really can't get a good look at in this portion of practice, the offensive line, there was tons of different schemes and we know that they ran plenty of different running schemes last year under new running game coordinator, Eric Studsville. And that appears to be the case this year. I can't go into detail on that very much beyond that, but I will tell you the first team offensive line was Laramie Tunzel. Chris Reed was the left guard, Daniel Kilgore at center. Jesse Davis was the right guard and Jordan Mills was out at right tackle. That shouldn't be a surprise. You won't see many rookies getting first team reps except for Christian Wilkins, who by the way, got himself some goal line work at fullback before the practice even began. That was pretty cool to see. The second team offensive line, Jared Jones-Smith, Michael Dieter, Kyle Fuller, Michael Dunn, and Zach Stirrup are your second team offensive line. If this team loses any of these guys to an injury, or like Laramie Tunzel, for instance, 
it could be a rough go at the offensive line. They're going to have to develop these guys and find some gems on this roster. And the last note here on the offensive line, Isaiah Prince, the right tackle from Ohio State, the guy who's basically been exclusively a right tackle in college. He played some reps at right guard. He also kicked outside to right tackle on the third team as well. So expect a lot of cross training in guys playing multiple positions all over this football team under Brian Flores, under Patrick Graham, and under Chad O'Shea. And before we go into our last break here, I want to tell you guys about the shirts that I get to wear at practice from Untuck It. A big thank you to Untuck It for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend, whether you're in the Pacific Northwest up in Seattle or down here in muggy Miami. Either way, no tucking, no tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, use promo code NBA to get 20% off your order. That's untuckit.com, promo code NBA. will try to shift my focus throughout the weeks, not only on the progression of certain players, but just on different units, different coaches and how they operate things. Day number one was trying to get the lay of the land for myself, my first ever NFL practice. So I think I did that quite well. Tomorrow I can show up and get there on time and just be ready for the entire day of events. Let's get to some more miscellaneous notes here on the podcast. There was a Chandler Cox sighting. You guys saw me tweet that he looks as rocked up as anybody out there. He's got tree trunks for legs, a bubble on the backside, if you know what I'm talking about, that can provide a bunch of power. I think he's going to get plenty of playing time on this team this year. He looks pretty good doing a variety of roles from the Dolphins' backfield and two back sets. Some other guys I thought stood out pretty well today. Montre Hardage, the undrafted free agent from Northwestern, he looked pretty damn good. Nick Needham, my boy from UTEP, he looked very good as well. A lot of these younger cornerbacks have a chance to elevate themselves up the roster, and we'll see if they can do it in short order and maybe even take the job of Eric Rowe, who reportedly struggled at OTAs. I wasn't there to see that, but I did see him struggle firsthand today at day one of Dolphins training camp. Okay, let's go ahead and change gears here and get into our best of the day. Before we do that, I mentioned that Xavier Howard had himself a good rep in the practice that went unnoticed, at least from my perspective. But Jakeem Grant, who was the offensive performer of the day, we'll go ahead and lay that out there right quick. Xavier Howard kicks inside and plays some slot and put a momentary stop to the dominance that was Jakeem Grant on the defensive side of the football. I think it was probably Montre Hardage, the undrafted rookie from Northwestern. He played very well, but I thought the entire secondary had some good looks, at least the guys at the top of the depth chart, as well as Montre Hardage. The best period was the red zone period, throwing passes into the end zone. All those fades, all those corner routes. Fitzpatrick looked sparkling in those drills, and Kenny Stills was catching plenty of balls, as was Nick O'Leary. The other tight ends on the roster getting some work there as well. All things told, it was about an hour and a half long practice. The guys looked refreshed for the most part. Some guys still getting their legs underneath them. Devon Godshaw told me he was tired and felt like he had a burrito in his belly. So some of those guys have a little bit of a way to go to get up to conditioning speed. Same thing with Christian Wilkins having his hands on his hips at times. But these guys are going to take some days, some maybe even a week or two, to get themselves acclimated to not only the South Florida heat, but getting back into the flow of how things work in the National Football League. So... All in all, a pretty good practice. I was told that in the past, 
things weren't as sharp. The coaching staff was not involved with every position group in the way that Brian Flores was, who bounces around from group to group and coaches up. These guys all are teaching and screaming and yelling at people, not yelling in the way that like Jason Brown from Last Chance U does, but just getting in guys' face and trying to turn the intensity up and provide that energy source, not just from the players, but from the coaching staff as well. They took a couple of breaks throughout practice to do ball security drills, obviously a very important trait on this team offensively and defensively. They were trying to strip guys running down the field, down a gamut of defenders and coaches alike. So that was a big point of emphasis on day number one. Tomorrow, I expect things to just change because we talked about the multiplicity of this team, both on offense and defense. I'm sure they're going to work out new stuff tomorrow and continue to try to progress as they install new packages and new looks and be the multiple team that they want to be. And I'm sure you can look at the offensive line tape or whatever it might be and find some mistakes as far as assignments go. But as far as catching the football and throwing the football and just guys being on their on their right landmarks in the defensive secondary, everything looked pretty sharp. So opposed to the previous coaching staff who was focused on one area and maybe not doing as much coaching, this staff was the complete opposite. Brian Flores in and out of different units, not a lot of balls hitting the ground, a well-coached team overall that focuses on the teaching aspect that we discussed on the podcast at least 27 times over the last several months. I'm going to be back out there tomorrow at practice. Same exact schedule for the next three days on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. A post-practice journal and podcast coming your way. And before we get out of here, a couple more funny notes. Armando Salguero was down there. When he saw Kiko Alonso on the field coming off, he lit up like a Christmas tree. Those two guys obviously have a very tight relationship, which is kind of cool to see. The media and players sometimes don't always clash well, or I guess they do clash, but Salguero and Alonzo are obviously pretty good buddies. There was a question for Ryan Fitzpatrick asked by, I don't want to say a reporter, someone that covers this team in some capacity. And Salguero was next to me during these questions and he turned his recorder off during this question. I thought that was pretty funny. Got no time for bad questions. And with that, I will definitely get some more questions out to the players over the next coming days and weeks. I do expect to talk to Nick Needham, the undrafted rookie out of UTEP at some point. I did have some questions in the holster for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I wanted to ask him, now that he's in year 15, do you think that with Chad O'Shea being a first-year play caller, is it something that where you can teach him things as well? And they asked questions that kind of revolved around that type of idea about Josh Rosen, and he just regurgitated the same answers over and over again. And that's why I wanted to give him a different, or word the question a little bit differently to get a different response out of him. But basically he said that everybody in the building is here to try to make each other better, and that includes him. And somebody did ask him a great question about Jim Caldwell. I actually think it was Salguero who mentioned the loss of Jim Caldwell and if you will feel it on the football field. And Fitzpatrick had a very a very straightforward professional answer saying, you know, it sucks for Jim and we're all thinking about him and, and praying for him and whatever you want to call it. But we also, at the same time, it's the same thing as losing a player. We have to be able to move on to the next, next man up. And that's how Jim would want it himself. So I thought that was a pretty cool answer, a veteran answer, an experienced answer from Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I'll tell you what, that guy just permeates energy. You can see why guys love him. He worked after practice on multiple routes with multiple guys. There was a relationship there brewing between he and Mike Kosicki. He and Kenny Stills are pals. He and Jakeem Grant, this entire receiving core, really gravitates towards Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that's why I think that he will go through camp, coast through it as the number one quarterback and earn that gig. 
Okay, and I think that right there is a great spot to stop the podcast, and I'm also at my time restriction. Before we get out of here, I want to tell you guys about Grip6 belts, and today's show is brought to you in part by Grip6 and their ultra-lightweight belts with no holes, no flap. It's a great gift for the man or woman in your life. Go to Grip6.com lock. They have a special offer for you right now, Grip6.com lock. That's L-O-K-C-E, lock. Okay, you guys all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog and the Daily Journal for training camp over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. Football's back, baby.